Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we'll be there momentarily. Ephesians chapter 6. I had one of those days where it's like just a brain drain. Have you had those brain drain days? I had the brain drain today. And uh, I had much brain to drain, but there we go. Wonderful. Uh, actually, it's the end of this whole book. We come to this in light of all you have, we've looked at, if we had been studying it from get-go. He gets to this part, uh, finally, my brethren. Like, it's like that, finally, this of all the things. Finally. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, not exorcise them out or do all these different things, but we are to stand. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So we've been, actually, three times in scriptures, we are told to resist the devil, etc., but we are to stand. This is something that we are required to do as Christians, I believe, to be faithful to Christ, to stand for what is right. There's so, we are just seeing, I think, the cusp of years of training people in the wrong ideology. We're seeing it here in our own country, how people just, where does that come from? I just like, how do they get to that point? It's because they've been trained and told and taught uh, and so, et cetera. Someone's going to teach your children or grandchildren. Someone's going to teach them, either you or the world or somebody else, but they're going to learn from someone. And so this, this idea of sin, so right from your outline, uh, sin, uh, we, few things are more obvious to a new believer than the reality of persistent remaining sin. Do you think that a, a new believer is sinning more than he was before he got saved, or there's much more a realization of what sin is than I than he know I was doing that. And that was today. I got to, I was called back and forth, back and forth to our CS, very nice lady, CFO, how I had done this wrong, and I got back. Okay, I just did it. I mean, I don't know. He's in and out, in and out. And our offices, we can yell between each other. And so, Tim. Yes, and so uh, it, I realized how many things that I did not do exactly correct, and what I will change going forward. So when we give, we trust Christ as personal Savior, we man, wow, these things I've been doing are displeasing to God. And so a new Christian sees his life of sin and feels compelled. Now I've got to do something to battle it. Question number one: How long does the unredeemed flesh persist? With a believer. How long are you going to battle this flesh? Did I? Paul says it so eloquently in Romans seven nineteen. Paul says, For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. Is it no more I that do it? But sin that dwelleth in me. I find that then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of the Lord after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death. I thank God that through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. 
I'm telling you, the battlefield, Tim, hey, long time, the battlefield for the mind. The battlefield of the mind is one of those two phrases. And that's, that's where it is. It's what we meditate on. That's why the Bible says meditate there and day and night. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. What are you thinking about? Sometimes we have to think about trivial things. What would you classify as trivial? Almost every other thing other than God. Now, kicking your family, that's not trivial. But a lot of things we think about, uh, you know, how many diet mountain dews I drink? I don't want to know. So we, that's just trivial things. Not that important. My body probably thinks it's a lot more important than I think it is. I'm tired of siphoning all that through my body, etc. It's saying, stop, please. But it's discouraging to a Christian. This experience in your outline results not from the increase of number of temptations or increase of sinful desires. Rather, we become more aware of sin as a result of being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. After salvation, we begin to progress in sanctification and find that we have a desire for righteousness which wars against the desires of the flesh. As long as you're sinning, the flesh doesn't care. It likes that. But when you start doing right, ah, oh, you're going to have a battle now. That's the, that's the spiritual warfare. It's not, it is not, we're talking about this, the demon of coughing. I said, we should exorcise that out of you, Stephanie. After supper, we should exorcise, not exorcise, exorcise that out. Some would probably say, let's do it. That's not what the problem is. The problem is that it's different reasons. But anyway, that doesn't come out. So we cannot take these problems we have and say it's a demon living inside me. We just have got to exercise it out. Christians, I don't think can have. I'm fairly, pretty confident you cannot have Christ living inside in the person of the Spirit and a demonic spirit. Greater is He that is in us. So be done with that. A lot of Christians today, though, are on the bandwagon. You get all these things, and demons come in. Not only oppress you, but they can come inside and we call it possess and guide and direct. Sometimes we don't. I don't really see that from Scripture. But you know, for example, how does this happen? A converted drunkard suddenly finds that sobriety is not so easy. The man that flooded his mind with pornography suddenly finds out you can't get rid of that overnight. The adulteress finds that controlling her habitually, habitually flirtatious ways is suddenly more difficult than she first imagined. The foul-mouthed person is suddenly aware that the tongue is a deadly evil, and controlling his speech takes constant vigilance and discipline, and so it goes with every sin, whatever sin it is. When you trust Christ as Savior, it takes discipline to get rid of that. It's not like, oh, I don't have any more temptation. Just No, it's just almost just like the opposite. We are more aware of sin since the Spirit lives within. We're more aware of sin, and absolutely so. So he comes in. I was reading this morning in my Bible reading. I finished the Bible through already, so I'm just going to places. I, you know, I really enjoy reading more than others, perhaps. 1 John chapter 3, does the Spirit live within? I found this, uh, not that it was lost. 23, 3.23, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. The Spirit comes, he gives, we're given the Spirit. He indwells within, you can jot down Romans chapter 8, verse 9, besides that if you want to put that as well. It's being, un, being untrained in righteousness, the new Christian can, 
sometimes be discouraged. In your outline, discouragement can set in, and before long, he or she starts to get desire, a quick fix, a remedy, a system or program which promises immediate victory and, and certain re- instant results. I'm telling you, give me a powder that I can lose thir- 25 pounds in three days, I'm taking it. You got my attention. If I can, I'll probably put it back on in, three, in the next three days, but there we go. So a new Christian can say, listen, I want a quick fix. I want to be spiritually mature in a short time. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. You don't gain knowledge of Mr. Bill has years of experience in driving a truck and how to fix him. You don't get that overnight. That just takes a lot of hard work and labor and things, or all these things you have knowledge of, fixing the cooking, baking, etc. There's no quick fix, spiritually speaking. It doesn't mean we stop trying We call it progressive sanctification. We are progressing to, positionally, you trust Christ as Savior, you are God's child. Positional sanctification. Progressive means that we are to be growing. Now, I have to say there's a lot of Christians that somehow bypass this in their same spiritual condition they were 30 years ago when they trusted Christ as Savior. Sad. If your child is acting two years old when he's 20, that's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. Or 30. Except we expect growth. So in your outline, the truth of territory view of spiritual warfare teaches that sin is in the life of a believer is caused by these things. And just a few blanks there. Demonic strongholds is your first one. Oppression. Curses is the next one. Territorial spirits or even demon or demonic possession. The devil made me do it. It's not just Flip Wilson's mantra any longer. It's a staple among some believing deliverance ministry people there's something inside you that's going to causing you to do these things. You've got to get rid of that. Remember, it's Robert Tilton, Tilton uh, that said, if I have it up here, do I have it here still? I don't have it up here with me. Okay, never mind. We'll forget that one. Question number two. What is meant by author Jim Ostman when he says, Satan gets far more credit for causing sin in the life of a believer than he deserves? Did you listen to Paul a few moments ago? It's that law. It's that law. It's your old nature. It's your warring in there. That's the spiritual warfare. It's you and I. It's you and I. It's me, myself, and I inside myself. It's my spirit, and it's my flesh, and they're warring. I have to say, as you grow in the Lord, perhaps some things are easier. You want, doesn't. I think there's. It's going to come a time when those things don't tempt you as much anymore. But. Being free from temptation, some things are going to tempt you no matter how old you are, I believe. Hopefully some will be less as you get older. Two, page two, it's not uncommon for deliverance ministries to go so far as to attribute gluttony, hatred, jealousy, envy, gossip, murder, homosexuality, pride, drunkenness, and even suicide to demons. Here's how it works. If you view that a believer can be demon-possessed, For example, lust must be caused by a demon named lust who attacks me, distracts me, and puts thoughts in my heart. He must have a horde of helpers, all part of a hierarchy, whose names are probably sensuality, passion, distraction, lewdness, and hormone. In all likelihood, one of these demons gained a foothold in my family through my father's repeated sins of adultery. That demon's probably named adultery. Consequently, the devil now has a foothold in my life and my home. And since the sins of the fathers are passed down through multiple generations, it is a guarantee that I and my sons and my son's sons probably have the same sins. Well, that's going to get tiring, if you believe that. Tiring. Is it possibly because that you think about the wrong things? That you see a woman, you don't... You let your mind wander, sir? Could it possibly be that old nature that you're not squelching that causes you, and you're giving it, you're not reading your Bible, you're not protecting yourself, and you get involved in that sin because you did it, 
Devil didn't make you do diddly squat. Devil can make you do nothing. He can tempt you, yes. It's all about you doing the deed. The cure, according to these people who believe this, these sins and activities of my father and grandfather would need to be researched, identified, and confessed to God. I would need to, to plead the blood of Jesus over these sins and renounce verbally to the spirit world my repudiation of these sins through formulaic prayers. Every sin would need to be confessed, lest a foothold given to the devil. And if you slip once, you get it all over again. What kind of life of victory is that? The Bible says there's victory in Jesus. The songwriter at least said that, but there is victory in Jesus. Truth. Bible truth. So what's wrong with the picture? Page two. Scripture does not describe sin as a result of a possession or oppression or curses in the life of a believer. Galatians chapter 5, please. Verse 19, Galatians chapter 5. Paul does not mince words. Galatians 5, 19. In case you're trying to get out of uh, your sin that you are doing, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness. Let's go back and read that first. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revilings, or revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's their habitual practice. It's not saying that a believer falls in the, for a momentary time and gets involved in that, confesses, repents, and going to hell. It says those who habitually do those things are demonstrated by their lifestyle. They're truly not born again. As the Bible's clear on that. It doesn't say, if God, if we lost our salvation on, on sin, even the slightest sin, we're going to go. But if a person continues to live in this without any guilt or remorse, I'm telling you, John would say, the Bible would say they're not truly born again. That's just what it says. Question three. What would we call attributing the deeds of Galatians 5.19 to the activity of, de- of demons? misdiagnosis, I call it, we know, passing the buck. We would call it passing the buck. I, I didn't do that. What? It's the, 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 that was Flip was, Flip was doing, passing the buck. The devil made me do it. Flip didn't want, I don't want, I can't even, I remember when well, we never got to watch that show. You know, we're flipping through channels and, and you linger on that channel. Oh, oh, we only had one channel. We got channel three because we had a 1,500-foot line up to the top of the little hill, and I had to climb that, and oh, my goodness, just to get one channel. Channel three from Mr. Cartoon. So I think it must have been on channel three because I remember You can't watch that, Tim. Maybe didn't turn it off fast enough. You might see. Flipped it himself. It wasn't anyone else. He decided the devil to make him whatever he said. You can't get out of it like that. You can't pass the buck. Question four, what are the three things then that Christians must battle against? The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world system, the flesh that's inside, the old man, and the devil, the things he wants. We have to battle. And if you just park on one of those and ignore the others, you're going to have a, a, a misdiagnosed solution, or you're going to have a wonky attack, etc. You're not prepared for all the things. Any of you of spiritual warfare that does not take into account all three is going to fail to offer an approach that can adequately meet all three enemies. The approach that adequately meets all three enemies is the Word of God and God Himself. Question five, if our theology fails to properly account for the cause of the problem, how will that affect our solution? You're going to have a terrible solution. 
Attributing to Satan and his demons the works of Scripture attributes to the flesh results in treating the problem wrongly. I like this misguided emphasis. Quoting now, Rather than accepting the responsibility for our own sin, we prefer to shift the responsibility to someone or something else rather than choosing the biblical solution of confessing and putting to death the deeds of the flesh, we seek to solve the problem by binding demons or practicing exorcisms. Interestingly enough, the passing of the buck has been a convenient way of avoiding personal responsibility ever since Adam and Eve, exactly. Ever since Adam and Eve. They oh, what, what, did, what did Adam say? The woman you gave me, what did the woman say? The serpent. Did the serpent get a chance? No. Yeah, he, he, he didn't even get a chance to lie more. You're going to be cursed. Dum, dum. So, was, yes, the woman you gave me. Oh, the serpent gave to me, etc. So question six, can we already has answered that? Nope. These things can lure us, can tempt us, distract us, but they cannot make us sin. The source of why sin is found in James 1. Go over to James 1, 14 and 15, please. Hebrews, James. Who was this James, by the way? Jesus' half-brother. Very good. James 1, 14. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, bringeth forth death. Can we repeat that 14? But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own. Own lust and entice. It is me. Songwriter, it's me. Not my brother, not my sister, not my mother, but my grandmother, but my, me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. I don't know how, probably, I'm sure it's not the right words, but you get the idea. It is me. Biblical solution, the Bible does not leave us in the dark, praise the Lord, when it comes to fighting against sin. It only commands us to pursue holiness, not only commands us to pursue holiness, but instructs us and equips us with the tools necessary for growth and sanctification to become like Christ. In Hebrews, turn back a book, please, to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. I almost said 14, 12. 12, verse 14. If you were looking for 14, 12, you'd be looking for a long time. On uh, on uh, it was yesterday Bible study. I said, "How many chapters does Genesis have?" I said, "It has fifty chapters." Oh no, it doesn't. Oh, it, it does have fifty chapters. So they were like, "Oh, it doesn't have that many." Oh, yeah. well, you know, there, there it was. Sure enough, there it was. It was. Do you, I, I, I'm glad to hear. I love to hear you answer. I lost that game twenty-one to nothing. It's the, everybody else and me. So if anybody gets the answer right, if they get a point for their team, and if they, no one gets it right, I get a point. I lost 21 to nothing, which, woohoo! I like it. As my last study there uh, was uh, yesterday. So we find, we've got it, it says in our scripture here, Hebrews, I got off track there again, 12, 14. Follow peace, pursue peace, if you would, with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. I'm thinking holiness is pretty, pretty important. We're to follow peace, and we're, we're to become more like Christ, and we're not to have the world uh, be a, a part of us. So first, we have to come to grips with the cause of our sin. We cannot shift responsibility to Satan, the bad guys, the, anybody, the good guys, whomever. 
Secondly, we must be, page three, be encouraged to know that our sanctification is not entirely the result of our own efforts. God is going to draw us in Romans chapter 8, please. God gives us a, a large help here. Romans chapter 8, 28. Romans 8, 8, 28, 29, 30. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be, com- to be conformed to the Im- image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, whom over whom he did predestinate, he also called. Whom he called, he justified. And whom he justified, then he also glorified. So we're going to be glorified. God, God has a plan for us. It's not just up to us. Yes, we are to be a, a part of it. He which began a good work in you will perform it. So he's going to keep working on us. He's still working on me. From glory to glory, he's changing me. Second Corinthians 3.18 so this does not mean that we have no role or work to do in the fight against sin. We do. We, we have to buckle down, discipline our lives, read the Bible, apply what we know. Does us no good if we don't read the, read the directions? I love this Bible, basic instruction before leaving earth. Bible, basic instruction before. By the way, the word Bible is not in the Bible. Do you know that? Bible's not in the Bible. Basic instruction before leaving earth. And that is it. We're, we're just on our way out. We're on our way up. Now, we've not left the ground yet. But it's as good as if we've already started lifting up because one day he's coming back and we're out of here. So it's, it's, it's that certain. We could, we could start going up now. And if we could just sort of start, you know, one day a little higher and higher, a little higher, because I know he's coming back. And one day I keep going up and I keep going up and keep going up. Eventually, and he will come back and there we go. We could do that. It's, it's that certain. Third, regeneration frees us to obey God and his word. The war against sin involves effort on the part of the Christian to fight against temptations and desires. So without being specific to you, perhaps, what do we struggle with? We'll be very practical. What might a Christian struggle with today? What's the flesh, okay? So you could be a little more specific. Yes, what did you say? Reading the Bible, yes. Integrity? Alcohol? Yes. Our words? Lust of flesh. What you watch, what you read, exactly. The magazines you look at. The advertisements we look at or don't look at. Yes. Was that the quarter at Aldi's? Is that the one you're talking about now? Yeah. Yes. And what we don't do. Not just what we do do, but what we don't do. So there's, there's uh, all of us have to, it's not like you can say, I've got all those licked. We don't. Please don't ever get to the point and say, Pastor, you know, I'm not going to listen anymore because I don't need to hear it anymore because I've, I've achieved, I've achieved the ultimate in spiritual life. You're probably the one that needs to be on the front pew listening and getting ready to hit the altar as soon as the invitation starts. So I don't think anybody's doing that, but we are still growing the posture of a soldier. So, so now that we have laid the foundation in our study and have affirmed that, number one, the Bible is sufficient for the battle. The Bible is sufficient for the battle. 
I trust that you believe that and understand it. There are other, you know, there helps. But I'm telling you, the Bible, nothing compares to the Bible. It's right in all. Please don't, under this ideology that it's right on doctrine and theology, but it's not right in science or not right in, no, it's right in all things. It's, it's, everything is about it. It frustrates me, as you can tell, that people say, well, it's not, it's completely from God. It's right about all things. The more we talk about, the more we look, the more we study, the more we find out it's right. I don't have to worry about it. if it, I don't understand that. Well, it's me, the problem is with me, not with God. Secondly, spiritual warfare is a battle for truth, not for territory. Let's close with 2 Corinthians 4, please. Why is it that people of Hamas can go in and cause such destruction and think they are doing a good thing? And how does that even become to that point? I tell you, a lot of, I think, can find it, park it right here. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is him to, hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which... Did you see that? Did it say eyes? Blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I'm telling you, it's the mind. It's what you dwell on. He's blinded their minds. Now, they may have acquiesced to it. They may have sought it. They may have been trained into it. They may have been physically pushed into it. But how does this happen? They're, they're just, they're, their minds are blind to the gospel. Their minds are, they, they've just turned away from God into the world. It's sad. So, and that takes the gospel. I'm, I'm not going to say they can't be saved. They can be. But God's power is great enough to pierce even through that hard shell of, of recognition. And some of you families, God's word can still penetrate. No, it's not your wordiness. It's not your locatiousness, which is wordy talkativeness. It's the word of God. And so may we be about that. Let's pray. Lord, as we have this battle, Lord, we set the stage now, I believe, for the, the next time, the, uh, the armor we're going to put on. Lord, help us to do that. It's, it's an armor, Lord, in, in the Greek language there that we put on once and for all, really. We're not to take it off. It's not something we, that we are just to put aside and just put it on right when we... No, it's something we're to have on it every day, all the time. Lord, maybe be about your business this week. Give us opportunities to be an example, a witness, a testimony for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.